0: Thank you, worship team. Hello, everyone. If you have a Bible or a device, I'd invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll be there in just a few moments. Do you have something big coming up in the near future? Maybe it's a wedding in the family this summer, maybe it's a trip somewhere maybe you're going camping to a cottage or maybe you're flying somewhere just don't use pearson airport you have something big coming up when we are excited about something it shapes how we live in the present i've never done a wedding where i've met a bride on her wedding day who said I didn't remember to get a dress. I forgot all about my wedding. No, we think about something we're excited about. If you're going to a family reunion and you know there's going to be burgers with bacon and salad with bacon and everything else, you don't eat for a day or two, right? We're in the series uh, going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And Paul is writing a letter to some followers of Jesus in Thessalonica in Europe about a year after he visited them. He'd come into the city sharing about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and people heard the message. that did, They didn't grow up in Sunday school. They were worshiping the gods of the day. They're following the spirit of the age. And they turned from those gods to serve and live for the true God. They were followers of Jesus and after he shared that message it was just a short while before in a sense he was run out of time he prematurely had to exit Thessalonica because there were people who opposed the message of Jesus didn't believe in Jesus and didn't want anything to do with it and so he had to flee a year later he gets the report that these followers of Jesus are still faithful to him to Jesus but but they are being persecuted they're suffering for their faith They weren't any longer participating in religious festivals uh, where there was immorality and worship of the pagan gods. And so some of them were losing their jobs and some of them actually were being imprisoned. And if you look at history, it was just a decade or two before some of them would start to be fed to animals. And so they were just persecuted for their faith. And so Paul says to them in their present, there's something big ahead and every chapter in this letter all five chapters paul points them to the return of christ with the goal with the aim that it would motivate them to be faithful to jesus to stay strong in their faith to keep looking to the one who is their hope it would inspire them and motivate them And today, as we continue, that's the message for you and me as followers of Jesus. You've got, we've got something big in our future that should excite us, which affects our present. And I just want to give a little spoiler alert here. Um, As we work through this passage, there's uh, talk about judgment and that's never fun. God judging is never fun. And I know it's summer. We don't really want to, you know, sun in the fun and or fun in the sun. And and, but we judgment. And uh, we at Woodside we don't water down the truth of Jesus. So we do talk about judgment because we believe Jesus rose from the dead. Every single word he said is true, and he is coming again. So if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we're going to talk about that. But there's hope for you. There's good news for you. We all need this good news. And that's the hope of jesus so first thessalonians chapter 5 and we're looking at this exciting future that should affect you to be faithful to jesus in the present beginning in verse 1 paul writes now brothers and sisters about times and dates we do not need to write to you for you know very well that the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night he points to the day of the lord you'll find this phrase 22 times in scripture 16 in the old testament six in the new testament and it refers to the events surrounding christ's return that one day this age we're living in will end and the eternal age will be ushered in by christ he will judge the living and the dead he will set all things right and he will make all things new the return of christ now notice paul says to them brothers i'm not writing to you about the times and dates 2,000 years ago, people were speculating about the exact date that Jesus would return. And Paul says, I'm not going to talk to you about that. Isn't it interesting, 2,000 years later, we still can speculate and just like be so preoccupied about when Christ will return? I was thinking the last uh, uh, date on the calendar, I think was 2011. And then you go back before that. So when it comes to the prophecy that Jesus is coming again, as a follower of Jesus, we're not preoccupied and caught up uh, with an exact date. On the other hand, on the other hand, we're not. We don't have a whatever attitude. No, history's marching somewhere. We need to be aware. And the purpose of prophecy of this this talk about Jesus coming again is not so that we can decode something. It's so that we can live in light of it. We can prepare for it. And so Paul says, I'm writing to you about this day. I'm pointing you to it. And he said, it's going to be like two things. And he used two metaphors. The first one, it's going to be like a thief that comes and robs you when you weren't expecting it. You know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I just finished my front yard and it was all Cut nicely, and uh, we had the the cast iron urns with the dragged them out of the garage, put them up, and put the flowers in. And I remember at dusk just looking this beautiful. I like it. (laughs) All that hard work. Went away a day later, came back the next day, and those cast iron urns were gone. Someone stole them. Now, if I had known that person was coming, I would have, before I left, taken those urns and put them back in the garage. Or maybe I would have at least left the light on. I should have left the light on in the house so they think somebody's home. Or I could have left a little post-it note inside one of the urns that said, hey, I know you're here to steal my urns. Let me just tell you, the code to my garage door is this. Go in. I'm sorry, we don't have any strawberries in the fridge. They're not in season yet. But help yourself to whatever's in the fridge. Make yourself at home. And before you leave, make sure you read the tract that is on the kitchen table, which says, Jesus Christ is coming again. The day of the Lord is soon to be here. Repent and put my urns back on my front porch. Get him out of your pickup truck. I'm just assuming it was a guy and he had a pickup truck. Put him back on my porch. I didn't expect that thief. If I had known, I would have prepared for it. The second illustration is about a woman, a pregnant woman, in labor. Verse 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Paul says the day of the Lord is going to be like a pregnant woman, and she's just about to give birth. Again, just a little note about my life. Uh, Three times I was in the delivery room when my wife gave birth to our three children, and my job from prenatal classes was to, like, fluff her pillow and to... Help her to breathe and count to whatever, right? Anybody else take those classes? Okay, can I tell you if you're going to be a dad someday or you hope to be, okay? Don't do that. (laughs) Just be there and, like, pretend like you're in pain, too. Just try to identify like that, okay? If she really wants her pillow fluffed, then fluff it. But my job as the contractions were growing in there intensity and frequency was to remind myself the baby's coming. Paul says, just like a woman is about to give birth, there's going to be these uh, intense signs and a frequency of these signs. And he's referring back to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, where Jesus said, when they were Jesus was asked by his disciples, what are the signs of your coming? How do I know? How do we know when to be ready? And Jesus said, that there will be wars and rumors of wars, that there'll be an increase in, in those events. He said that there will be an increase in natural disasters, and we see that today. Now, some would hold it that in those uh, chapters, Jesus is referring to what happened in AD 70. I believe, yes, those things did happen in AD 70, but there was a far fulfillment because some of those signs, uh, we believe, aren't fulfilled yet. So when Jesus comes, we're gonna see an increase in these signs and his return is imminent look up for the lord so it's unexpected realize he's coming and it's unexpected but notice realize too paul says it's inescapable While people are saying peace and safety then something's going to happen and they will not escape in that day the christians were being oppressed they were being persecuted in the roman empire there was corruption people were out for themselves there was so much evil and everybody's like well there's peace and safety in that period of time it was called the the Pax Romana a period of time where in recorded civilization there were always war but for the first time in human history the Romans had the sword and there was peace and safety and so Paul is saying when everybody's saying that they can live how they want to live there's peace and safety the the Caesar still on the throne Paul says no there's something going to happen, and no one is going to escape. So whether you and I are atheists or whether we're devoted followers of Jesus, it doesn't matter what we believe. If Jesus rose from the dead, he's going to come again, and not one of us in here, in this room, online, not one of us is going to escape standing before Jesus. Paul said, no one will escape. Now, that can be a little bit scary. What? No one's going to escape? But if you're a follower of jesus look what paul says verse 4 but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief you are all children of the light and children of the day we do not belong to the night or to the darkness paul takes the concept of light and darkness that's throughout scripture and he says he makes a distinction you belong to the day you belong to the light, you don't belong to the darkness. And then he goes on, verse 6, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Paul makes a distinction here between daytime people and nighttime people. And the point of referring to nighttime people is these are the people that stay up late after 11 o'clock and they you know cruise the streets no he's not referring he's referring to those in the dark now dark and drunk have the idea of being separated from god in the dark drunk has the idea of no self-control just living according to my desires. They, they, they rule me. Paul is saying there's nighttime people who don't have a relationship with God, and they're just following their desires. And then he makes those things, but there's daytime people who are in the light, who have a relationship with God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, who have a relationship with God and are controlled they're awake they're thinking about jesus and his return they're sober they're living self-controlled lives they're not perfect but they're struggling to fulfill the calling god has on their life to be holy they're awake and sober they're not asleep and drunk i want to ask you today as a follower of jesus are you awake and sober are you thinking about reminding yourself of getting excited about the return of jesus this is one of the reasons why we need the church and why the church needs you because we need to make sure with one another we're reminding one another hey be awake be sober jesus is coming again That we're not dozing off, but we're ready for his return. We're preparing for his return. We're living for his return. If you call Woodside your church home, you have a role to remind people and encourage people and challenge people to be awake and sober. So when you see someone at Woodside that's living just for today, they have a short view They're just living for their career, living for their family, living for getting another toy, all of those things. That's your job to say, hey, you're dozing off. Wake up, Jesus is coming again. Well, five years ago, Ashley Madison, it was a website uh, uh, designed to facilitate if you wanted to cheat on your spouse, Uh, They would set up uh, that encounter, and uh, someone hacked into that website, and 30 million names were exposed publicly. 30 million people that had signed up to cheat on their spouse. And what is interesting was the tagline that Ashley Madison had. Life is short, have an affair. That's the spirit of the age. Life is short, eat drink and be merry live however you want to live you do you if you're a follower of jesus you're in the light you do jesus you say i want to live for jesus and if you see someone being pulled in that way you're wake up wake up and we see it all the time in the church around the world people they just start to drift stop going to church stop praying Stop really opening their Bibles, stop like meeting with other Christians, and they slowly drift. Our job, your job, is to wake people up. And then on the other hand, when you see someone, it's not so much to do with temptation, but it's to do with a trial. And they are just so overwhelmed that they are despairing. They are grieving like someone that doesn't have hope. Your job is to come alongside of that person. And sometimes it means just being there with someone in your life group and you're not really saying anything, but in time, you're reminding them and pointing them to the hope that they have. Jesus is coming again. What you're going through is not the end of the story. So if you're a father of Jesus, are you awake and sober, or are you dozing off in your sleep and drunk? Paul continues, verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation As a helmet every day you wake up you put on your armor your breastplate every day you wake up as a follower of Jesus you put on your helmet and what Paul is saying and teaching us is that following Jesus being faithful to his calling on our lives it's a fight we have to fight to be faithful we have to be we have to fight to be holy. Why? Because there's a magnetic pull of the world. Sometimes we look at the world today and be like, oh, look at how bad the world's getting. That's nothing new. That's the pull. Jesus said the most influential and powerful person in this world is Satan. And he's out to, he's out to kill and destroy. There's a pull. And Paul is saying, and he's taking out military imagery here from Isaiah 59. He said, you've got to go to battle every day. And notice, you're not going to battle with a sword, okay? Christians are not about combative, we're taking down people, force, you're going to do what we want to do. That's not Jesus. That's not his way. He's a different way, as Paul would say uh, when he's writing to the church at Corinth. We don't wage war like the, the world wages war. We're not into assault rifles and tanks and nasty tweets and, and Facebook telling people getting having vitriol come out of our fingers, whatever you do on Facebook or whatever. No, that's not how we do it. Here's how we go to war. Every day we put on first faith. Every day you wake up and you say, Jesus, I'm following you. I love you. I'm worshiping you. You're what my life is about. I'm taking you at your word. Faith is taking, I believe you in your promises. I believe you're coming again. You put on faith. You put on love that every day You're saying, I'm not going to be selfish and just live for myself and preoccupied with all of my needs. I'm looking around, Jesus. You serve me. You serve people. How can I serve in your name? What can I do? If you're a follower of Jesus, can I tell you, a lot of times you're going to be tired because you're living for Jesus. That's, That's just the way it is. You love people. And you love people that even maybe don't like you. And you say, I'm not going to return evil for evil because Jesus loves that person. And by the way, our job here at Woodside is not to curse the darkness, oh, how bad everything is. Our job is to shine the light. I don't know if there's an amen. You know what the the world needs? It doesn't need us to take control of things and get everybody to think our way. What the world needs is for the church, to be the church, to shine for Jesus. That's what we need, faith and love. A uh, couple weeks, a few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I uh, were traveling on on my day off. My day off is Friday, and we were going out of town to to pick something up. And uh, as sometimes is the case, uh, Friday, I I try not to think about church and church stuff. And, uh, but just before uh, the trip on that Friday morning, I read the local paper, and there was a cartoon in the paper. And it was a cartoon. Uh, that was so, I hate to use the word offensive, but it was so bad because it was about a social issue. And the view that I hold to um, there was being mocked. It was being ridiculed in a very light way. And I'm like, and I know the guys at the paper, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not a letter writer writing to the editor. I've written one or two in the past. Uh, I'm not the son of a letter writer. So please, if you can write, please write the editor. But, but um, I'm like, I should go and talk to these people because either they're ruthless or they're ignorant. Like, here's your side, but what about the other side? And for most issues today, it's ignorance. People have no clue. Our young people have no clue about science and social research to do with all of these social issues. So, I was just like all worked up. I couldn't let it go in my mind. I just like, this world. Came to a traffic light partway on the journey uh, and stopped. And there in front of me was a car, and the license plate said, Jesus is my co-pilot. And I was like, oh, maybe there's a Christian. I'm not alone in the world. And i like to say, well, the theology is not quite correct. If Jesus is your co- co-pilot, you need to switch seats, okay? <laughs> That's what you need to do. But, oh, there's another Christian. And then underneath that, on the bottom of the license plate, was the most vulgar, immoral, Statement that I have seen in forty years plus years of driving, it was unbelievable. I, like how it was worded, I couldn't believe it. it was well done. It was so, it was so bad, and um, and I thought to myself, or no, I didn't think to myself. The first thought that came to my mind was this: this person was promoting, and and on a road that was just promoting this, and then bringing Jesus into the picture. Yes, I did think that, oh, the person probably had a bad experience with a Christian. But my first thought was, again, I have to be careful here. I'm a pastor, but I wanted to give that person the finger as I went by. It doesn't happen all the time. (laughs) Trust me, it doesn't, okay? (laughs) But I really, like, it was just on all levels. It was so bad. And then as always, or often is the case now, that anger turned to sadness. As I drove by and there was a place to, to pass, I passed and I didn't look at the person, just kind of looked out of my eye and it was a young girl. And I said a prayer for that girl that somehow she would hear the good news about Jesus, that the road, that road, it doesn't lead anywhere. And then i was remind myself who are the people god's placed in my life that i can shine and love and maybe just maybe point them to jesus faith love and then hope notice the triad it's not faith hope and love but again it's faith love and hope why because hope is the emphasis paul is saying to these christians that might want to pack it in because it's they're being opposed oh there's a hope put it on every day your helmet of salvation that you have something big in the future that we as followers of Jesus we have to fight with faith and love and hope and we've got to fight against temptation we have to fight against trials and despair so I want to ask you coming out of this pandemic some of us are disoriented some of us are still negative negative some of us are sad some of us are lonely some of us are angry some of us are weary but some of us are suffering from apathy lack of commitment all of us in a sense we're just we've been so kind of dozing today hear the words of paul be awake and sober i want to ask you Does Jesus and the things of God excite you? Is it motivating you? Is it like, I want to get in the game. I don't want to drift. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be self-focused. I don't want to live with a short view of life. I want to live with an eternal view of life because Jesus is coming again. I'm going to see him. If that's you, you need to fight. You need to say, I'm getting in the game with Jesus. Paul continues, verse 9 why should we fight why should we be faithful verse 9 for god did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our lord jesus christ he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we may live together with him be reminded today that if you are a follower of jesus the trajectory of your life the road you are on is leading to something big and it's not because you've earned it for god appointed you to salvation god opened your eyes to the fact that you were a sinner and you needed jesus death on the cross to save you from your sins and notice we're not only saved from something from our sins but we're saved to something that's salvation mercy and grace we're saved to life together with him one day You're not just going to meet Jesus. Oh, nice to meet you. Oh, he waved at me. Oh, isn't that nice? You're going to live with him. How that looks with many millions of people, he's infinitely present, infinitely holy. You'll be okay. You're going to live with him. The word there, live, is za'o, which means not only a quantity of life forever, but a quality of life that you get to be with Jesus perfect forever. And that's what these baptisms uh, that we have today, that these people are saying, I'm a follower of Jesus and I've got a future with Him. A person being baptized standing in the water is identifying with Jesus and His death. He died for my sins. Going under the water, I was buried with Him. And coming out of the water, I'm raised with Him. Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And Paul here, he ties in when Jesus returns, not if you're awake, you're going to live with him, but if you notice the word asleep, referring back to last Sunday's message, people that have died in the Lord, whether you, you die before Jesus comes again or you're alive when he comes again, you're going to live together with him. That changes everything. That's so big. It affects my present. And just a a, a word there, notice, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, again, this is a sobering thought that Jesus said it, Paul's just echoing it, that if you don't trust him and put your faith in him, you're gonna die in your sins. Why? Because God is holy. God is love. He loves people so much, he has to judge sin. He can't look the other way. And I'm not sure if you live in a bubble and you're like, well, there's just like decent people. Why would God judge? Can I tell you that right now in our world, there is human trafficking going on and the depravity and the evil is something you can't get your mind around. I know a family and they went and they tried to deal with that. It came back and it wrecked them. Like there is evil. God has to judge people that are doing evil. And here's the thing is you and I, Are in that same boat because we've all done evil living forever with jesus is not for good people it's for forgiven people somebody's got to pay for your sins and if it's not jesus it's going to be you a separation from god but there's good news that god is calling all of us to salvation repent paul says Then in verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Remind people, Jesus is coming again. The day of the Lord, it's going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to be like a pregnant woman in labor. Next thing you know, it's here. Nobody escapes. But you, Jesus died for you. You're going to live with him forever. So today, I want to ask you, are you awake and sober? Is Jesus' return affecting your life? And I, I wanna just mention a word to parents as well. Uh, if I have a child right now, and my kids are a bit older, and, uh, but a child right now, and where this, we're going morally as a culture, and again, I'm not, the only reason I bring up culture again and again, it, the New Testament writers refer to it as the world, is not that we're cursing the world, but we're aware of what's going on in our world, but where the culture is going morally where it's going socially, where it's going spiritually. If I'm a parent, I can be overwhelmed with fear, with anxiety, with all of these things. Now, I'm to be concerned. Lord, help me and help us to make right decisions. I can be concerned, but I'm not overwhelmed. Why? Because I know the end of the story. I know the end of the story. That I'm going to be with Jesus, and I'm praying that my kids will be with Jesus too. We're following him. We're going to fight with faith and love and hope. So, everybody, you've got the spoiler alert, right? You can live with Jesus forever. The best news you could ever hear, okay? Thank you. That's awesome. Now, if you're here and you're like a follower of Jesus, oh, you spoiled the ending. Come on. We had that just recently at our dinner table, right? You know, don't give away the end of the story or the movie or the score of the game. Don't—I don't want to hear, right? There's a study out of University of Southern California, um, and it showed that people that heard the end of the story, story that got the spoiler alert, that it didn't impact their enjoyment. Now, some people say, oh, were all the factors considered, that's uh, up for grabs. But here's what the study found. Participants who knew how the story ended, okay, so you know the end of the movie, you know the end of your life, people who knew how the story ended were less stressful, had less anxiety, and enjoyed the journey more than people who didn't know the end of the story. Interesting. One researcher had a theory, and he said, once you know how the story ends, it allows you to be more comfortable processing what's happening in the story. Oh, I can't believe this happened to me. Why me? Does God care? I'm full of worry, I'm full of fear, I'm full of anxiety. I'm, full of I'm gonna process it in light of my future with Jesus. I'm gonna be okay. The researcher said, once you have confidence in how the story ends, you're not overwhelmed on the journey to get to the end. And that's what Paul is saying. The day of the Lord's coming, and you're gonna live with him forever. That's how the story ends. And can I tell you, this summer, if someone's getting married in your family, hope you have a great time, celebrate. Okay, If, if you're going to trip, hope things go well. If you're having a barbecue with bacon, please invite me, but enjoy it. (laughs) But those things will one day come to an end. And those things are just a glimpse, a taste of what's to come because of Jesus. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, and a future.